Welcome to the Deeper Podcast. This is a podcast run by a team of people from different churches, all aiming to make gospel resources that are both accessible and applicable for everyday life. We do hope you stick around and subscribe to this channel as we're going to cover a range of topics in the coming months. And so we hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome to episode 15 in the Isaiah series. Um, You've joined us for the podcast that corresponds to the teaching video or teaching content, uh, which is the fall of Assyria. Uh, So just a brief overview then that you'll see uh, is that Isaiah is closing his first book. Uh, So that's chapter 6 through to 37. Um, and he's describing uh, King Hezekiah's brave and faithful stand against Assyria, um, lifting two chapters from two kings to do so, uh, but with a twist. So in chapters 36 and 37, uh, Judah and Jerusalem face their gravest threat, face their gravest threat yet, uh, but with the mighty intervention of the Lord, prompted by Hezekiah's unswerving faith, the threat of Assyria turns into the fall of Assyria, and Judah is saved. So God can really be trusted in crisis. Very, very helpful bios. Thank you very much, Steve, that, that you write for the YouTube video. Hey, it could that, be like the back of a book. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, and I've just, as you've obviously just heard then, I am joined by Steve Brins. Um, I wonder, Steve, uh, if we can go in. So we've got the gravest threat yet, the biggest threat that Judas faced yet. I wonder if you can just give me a brief overview of Assyria itself and why they're such a big threat. Yeah, so Assyria were the superpower at that time. They were the United States of America. You've got to think of them in that terms. Uh, There's no army on earth that can face them down. It just can't be done. They're too massive. They're too powerful. And the Assyrians had a style which was uncompromising. They would come in, they would sweep in, and they would just um, cause absolute havoc and ravage everything. Uh, The Babylonians came after them. The Babylonian Empire came after the Assyrians and the Babylonians were very much about culture and yes they did use military might and yes they did destroy their enemies but they were very much about culture uh, and they were very much about building a, a, a wonderful cultured society. Look at us is, is, is the, the words of, of Babylon but Assyria were not interested in that. Assyria were just interested in the power. They were interested in crushing everything in front of them and that's what they did. And so when the Assyrian army starts to sweep through, actually the commander of the Assyrian army puts it really well as he's talking to the people, as he's shouting to Jerusalem and saying, look, we are coming and you can't stop us. And he says, none of the other gods of the other nations could stop us. Mm. What makes you think that, that you can stop us? I mean, we're more powerful. We have more numbers. He even says, look, we'll... we'll We'll make it a fair fight. You know how sometimes when you're playing football, I don't know, maybe in school you're playing football in, in, in the yard and it was clearly one side and you say, OK, mm. we'll give you our best players, see if you can beat us then. And you still hammer them. And it was that yeah, kind yeah. of thing. They said, if, look, we'll even give you horses. Make it a bit fair, you know, give me some horses. If you can put riders on them, you will give you some horses and see if we can sort of even up the sides a bit because they were so uh, sure that they were going to win. So yeah. this was Assyria. This is what they were like. And this was why it was a massive, massive threat. Contrast that with Judah, and Judah has been on a downward spiral for years. 
So the great days of King David and King Solomon, they are long gone. And Judah is now on this downward spiral, which is just heading downwards and downwards. And, and effectively, they're, they're a very weak power. They, they, they're next to nothing. Dare we say, unfortunately, they may be the, uh, the whales of the world. Um, I'm not sure that our the Welsh Navy, Army or Air Force will be up to much in a fight. It's that kind of battle. Yeah. Okay, interesting, because um, in our prep time, um, you said something very helpful in return to something that I said that actually wasn't that helpful. So I was like, oh, obviously, like in the storyline, like we're facing narrative here in, in the book, as opposed to, obviously, if you look at, say... Um, one of, wrote, one of Paul's books. It's very not narrative. It's like teaching, isn't it? Whereas like in comparison, this is like we're drawing things of God's character from narrative. Um, and so it's like, I mean, you look at the Old Testament and on the most part, I would say you see that God comes and like saves the day. Like same for like say Exodus, uh, where obviously he draws his people out from Egypt um, and like saves the day or they're like dying in the desert. And so he provides my own quail. And I'm like, yeah, when you look back, like on the whole he's always good um and he like he always comes through but uh you obviously like drew out the fact that when you're in it um it's still not a guaranteed thing and there's stories where yeah that's not always the case yeah when you're in it it doesn't feel that way yeah. we we live lives in one direction we uh, exist obviously in four dimensions so you've got the physical dimensions in which we dwell but there's a fourth dimension of time mm. Whereas in all the other dimensions, we can move in any direction. In yeah. time, we move one direction. We move just forwards. That's yeah, it. Yeah. So yesterday's gone and tomorrow is coming. That's that. And because we've got that perspective on life, we don't know what will happen tomorrow. Mm. We don't know what the end of the story is. We don't know how it will work out. Mm. And that is the element of faith. That's what faith is all about. Faith is grounded in the fact that we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but we know a God who we trust in. Yeah. And that was Hezekiah's experience. He knew that this battle was too difficult. He knew it was not possible. In human strength, we're going to lose. But he also knows that there's a God in heaven. And so his reality tells him we can't win. But his faith tells him there might just be a chance. And I think that's about as good, good as he can get to. There might just be a chance. We look back on it and go, of course you were going to win. You have the Lord on your side. But don't you feel the same way, Reese, that you face some circumstances in life and, and yeah, hey, someone could say to you, but yeah, Reese, you've got the Lord on your side. Why are you worried? Yeah. It's like, hang on a minute. Have you not seen what's going on? Because yeah. the worry, the fear, the reality is very yeah. real. Yeah, no, definitely. I think it's always an interesting one as well, isn't it, when it comes to, um, like, eternally, like victory is ours. Yeah. Physically, you might not get saved from everything in yeah. that sense. Um, and I guess that that's kind of where it lies as well. It'll be like, oh, hey, like I'm saved. I will one day be with him. Um, and then say for like physical ailments, there's times where people are healed here and now. Yes. And there's times where they're not. Yeah. And God is still the same and God is still good throughout. And, and it's hard to reconcile that, isn't it? If you've got a very sort of physical view of, well, if God only rescues in the physical, then, um, well, why didn't he do it this time? And in fact, we see that God's response to things is much more nuanced. We're going to see a bit next time out how God's response really would, would be to say to Hezekiah, I think you've done enough, come on up and, and be with me and Hezekiah to want it. Yeah. And, and actually that response didn't work out terribly well. Uh, so... If we focus too much on, okay, God blessing me in the physical, God protecting me in the physical, God making sure that, that everything works right for me, 
then we would probably lose what's going on in the Bible because God says, I want to draw you into something higher than that. I know this is real for you. I'm going to say physical life is, is, is not real. Of course it's real. Mm. But I want to draw you into something higher, something better, which is the connection in the spiritual realm with me. Mm. And ultimately, says God, that lasts forever. Mm. Yeah, that's wicked. Do you reckon it's like a right response? See, because I'm thinking like, how do you respond then, like in the here and now, when you are facing like stuff? Like, and in our prayer life and in, like, the space where it's just, like, us and God. Yeah. Is it, like, God, I know you can. I'm not sure you will. I'm not sure, like, it's your will to come in and, like, change something here and now. So I know you can. Like, it's in your character that you can. I'm not 100% sure you will because that's on you. Um, but either way, you're with me. I think that's so spot on. That really describes how we should be before God. Mm. And once we grasp that approach in heart, not just in in mind, then it will revolutionise our lives. It's exactly what Hezekiah does. Mm. He gets a letter from the king of Assyria, basically saying, we're coming for you. Don't think you've escaped, we're coming for you. And he lays it out in front of God. Mm. He literally goes into the temple, lays it out in front of God, and lies on the floor. Mm. And he says, God, we don't know what to do with this. But I want to show you what they're saying. Mm. And I invite you to to do something about Mm. it. Mm. And it's that act and moment of faith that is characteristic of Hezekiah over and over again. He's one of those characters, he's not like a, a, a David, you know. David goes in there and you just know he's going to pick his sword up and he's going to bit of a swashbuckling and it's going to come out all right. Mm. And Hezekiah is not that kind. He doesn't have those sort of resources. But what he does have in common with David is a heart that chases after God. Mm. Yeah, that's good. That's helpful. Um, as we come into, I guess, the point... Uh, that I drew out that I thought I wanted to like home in on. Um, I'm wondering then, from at, at this current point in time, uh, us at New Life Church, which is where me and Steve and Pete uh, are all housed, uh, in the middle of a Joel series. Um, and there's a theme, obviously the theme of Joel is Day of the Lord. That's not necessarily what I want to approach in this. But uh, in Joel 2, we get that the Lord pities his people. Yeah. Uh, and so there's been destruction, there's been uh, locusts eating up everything, they've got nothing left, um, but the Lord pities his people, and so then comes back for their thriving, and like, and then produces crops and grain, and joy is restored, and laughter is restored. In the same vein of this, um, there's the Syrian Empire coming up against uh, Hezekiah and Judah, uh, and you've got, yeah, stuff's not been going well, um, but there's like a turning point where these people who are very anti-God or anti-Yeshua, anti-the real God, and bring up their own false gods against God, and he turns up in this circumstance. In the same way that in Joel he turns up and restores the good of the people, he restores them here. Uh, and there's countless examples of um, when it seems like, from a physical outlet, um, that God's removed from the mm. people's suffering. Mm. Uh, he like pities and he comes back. Uh, and he's still good for his people, or he's still good to his people, he still loves his people, uh, and then restores. So on the basis that he comes and restores, um, I wonder that you bring out a phrase um, that is, uh, he does it for his namesake, um, so for his glory. And we yeah. see that in, is it Ezekiel 36 or 37? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And yeah. where he's like, I'm the Lord, like I, I do things and I restore for my namesake. Yes, yeah. Um, but there's restoration in the process. Um, we like to think I would, I would say generally 
well, God loves me, so he does it because he loves me. Um, and he comes and he's good to me because he loves me. Um, but there is a theme of uh, the Lord's name. And uh, he does, he acts on behalf of his name, on behalf of his glory. Uh, and so obviously uh, gets rid of the Assyrian Empire, but he makes his name great in the process. And uh, so I wonder if you can bring out the nuances then of um, what it really means uh, for God to act for his people, like on behalf of his people, uh, destroy what's come against him. Uh, it's kind of like God takes it personally. It's kind of like when people come against him, he takes it personally. And so what does it mean for him to act on his, for his namesake, for his glory, uh, to make his name look great, but also for the good of his people? How do those two things work? Yeah, it's it's really interesting question. Um, I, I, I liken it a little bit to like if somebody is threatening your wife or girlfriend and uh, you've got to front up to them because, hey, this is not only threatening somebody that you love, but it's an affront to you. You're saying, hang on a minute. You think that you can do this to my wife, to mm. my girlfriend? It's the same kind of idea um, that, that's going on. There's not only that thing about I want to protect this person, but there's also yeah. this is insulting to me. Yeah. And those two things are playing in your mind. It's, a, it's sort of a, a little foolish example about how it, how it comes about. Yeah. I think one, one of the things that feeds into this is this really sort of dramatic, big idea that's in the Bible and is in, a, in our makeup is that when we see ourselves right, who we are and where we sit within God's world, it makes this question almost go away. The beginning of the Bible starts with God in the beginning God. God is there from the start. And then he starts making all kinds of stuff and ends up with humans. Brilliant. And that means that when I see myself, I see myself as one of God's creatures. It begins with God and ends me. It's not I'm the centre of this. God's the centre of this and, I, and I'm part of that. But at the same time, I know that God loves me and is blessing me because mm. he made me and he wants me and he, and, he, and he draws me and he loves me. So it doesn't begin with God loves me. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm loved by God. Fantastic. I'm loved by God. Yes, it begins with God because mm. God chooses to love me. And that's the thing about it then. He does it for his name's sake. He does it because he is God. He created. He's the source. He's the start of all of this. And I'm kind of like a product of it, a result of it. Okay, brilliant. Um, but my response to God then is to say, thank you for loving me for who you are mm. and bringing me into part of who you are. And I discover that I'm most fulfilled when I'm centered in him and in his plans and in his, in his thoughts. And that really is that concept, I think, of for his name's sake. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. Because I think, like, there's two sides of, like, different debates where, um, yeah, it's like, well, God, are you acting for you or for me? And it's like, it can have been hmm. a hard topic to, like, navigate and to say, do both of those happen simultaneously, as a result of, individually? Is one of them right? Is one of them not right? Is the Bible, like, kind of going against itself and so that's a really helpful explanation um we've we hit that way quicker than i thought we would actually steve that question in itself <laughs> so i wonder if you've got anything else you'd like to draw out from the passage so i just loved the fact that um when the assyrians came up and caused all this trouble and they start to call out against god and they effectively laid it in front of god and said look all these other gods we're not able to save. What makes you think that your God will be able to save? It's a pertinent question. It's a question for our world right today, isn't it? 
Um, what makes us think that our God is special? Mm. And as you look at what happens in the news, as what happens in the world, what's going on around, as you hear other people talking about it, most people don't believe that our God is the one true God. Mm. They don't see him that way. Mm. They don't think that that's how life works. He, therefore, is a sideline for most people. And that's how the Assyrians treated him. It's like, you're a sideline God. Mm. Jehovah is a sideline. We're, we're uh, got no interest in him and it just doesn't matter into that situation a faithful man comes who says god you want to see and hear what they're saying about you that's such a challenge for me Mm. and he didn't try to take on the assyrians because he knew he couldn't do that instead he brings it back to god and says god you need to hear what they're saying about you Mm. and it rouses god and he says okay Mm. we're going to do something about this for my name's sake Mm. and to rescue my people mm. and the miracle that happens as I talk about in the, the, the talk itself the video talk is 185,000 Assyrians are killed by an angel mm. and as a result the king of Assyria says okay that's too much for us um, mm. we'll break camp and we'll, we'll, we'll try again another day mm. uh, and it brings about his downfall because he goes back home ironically into the temple of his God mm. who cannot save him because the people plotting against him come and stab him in the back Mm. And, and, and he dies there and then and, and it's a most ironic moment where this king who has been spouting out against the one true God suddenly gets done in in the temple of his own God and God is basically saying look there is a reality here if you follow me if you trust me if you invest in me I am worth it mm. and, and I can save but it isn't really about the salvation it's much mm. more about the connection, the relationship, the faith, the growing with him on that day-by-day basis. And that's what I really love about it. I find it to be an amazing mm. part of God's word. I also find the fact that it's narrative to be good fun because up till now, we've been in prophecy, mm. um, as you know, and we've been looking at lots of prophetic sections and they're quite flowery and they're quite poetic and there's imagery. And in some ways, you know, if, you, if your heart works that way, then this has been so exciting and probably this passage is like, hang on a minute, don't know how this works. Um, but for me, always thinking through the fact that these people did not know the end, mm. just like we do not know the end. Mm. That makes all the difference to me reading narrative. Uh, just like them, mm. I don't know how my life works tomorrow yeah. or like next week or next year. Yeah. What I do know is that there's a God who's faithful. Yeah. And every time I've trusted him, he's proved himself to be faithful. Mm. And there have been times when I haven't. But every time I've trusted him, he's proved himself to be faithful. And that's the way I want to continue to grow in my life as I go on day by day. Okay, then, Lord, what are we going to face tomorrow? What's the adventure tomorrow? What are we dealing with tomorrow? Um, Let's let's go into that together. Let me walk with you. Let me follow after your heart. And if there's tough, tough stuff to come, I'm going to lay it out before you. Lord, do you see what's being said? Do you see what's happening? Mm. And and invite God to come into my circumstances. Invite God to, to be in those big and small decisions and, and situations in life. Mm, no, that's great. Um, I've got one fun thing on that basis. Um, you mentioned in the Joel Talks, so people probably won't have listened to the Joel Talks on this, but uh, one of the things that you draw out is that we are on the Lord's side rather than the Lord being on our side, which is in like an important thing. Yeah. Um, that, And I think that comes into the fact then it's a delightful thing that the Lord cares for his name. Yes. Because if you're within his namesake, if you're 
his people, then he carries you for his name's sake because he's not going to put his people to shame or see his people put to shame. 100%. Mm. I thought that was a nice little intersection. Um, that's it from me, Steve, if you're done as well. Thank you very much uh, for listening. I trust it's been a, a nice 20-minute section. It's uh, I reckon that's quite an easy listen, but there's a lot uh, to be drawn out from that. Uh, so I hope uh, it's a delight to you that the God... Um, well, that God can be trusted in the midst of crisis uh, and so please do uh, keep listening please do listen to the other podcasts that we've got available as well uh, even if they're not the Isaiah ones um, every other podcast available as well is also good and we can say that because it's not us speaking in it you know um, it and there's other people speaking in it so <laughs> that's from us uh, so thank you very much uh, please do subscribe share and uh, yeah share it with friends uh, that'd be really great and see if people are blessed thank you for me and yeah, thanks for me too.